Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Chittlesau from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Atlanta are Valerie Rock, a principal at PYA, and Kristen Lilly Davidson, consulting senior manager there. And today we're going to be talking about healthcare and private equity. And this was really inspired by an article that they wrote for Compliance Today magazine. First, Valerie, Kristen, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you, Adam. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Valerie, why don't we start with you? Um, you know, private equity firms, as you well know, have been investing heavily in healthcare these days. And as you pointed out in your article, many may not fully understand the risk areas, although from your article in the magazine, it seems like that is changing. First, what historically have been the problem areas for private equity firms investing in healthcare? Well, Adam, I think you have to start looking at the problem areas by looking at the way we were doing due diligence five to seven years ago. As the private equity uh, firms joined the market about five to seven years ago, they were really focused on the financial diligence, like quality of earnings and business valuation. But over time, we've started to do coding reviews and operational compliance reviews, and even most recently, clinical compliance reviews. The shift is related to what they found after acquisition related to noncompliance. So, for example, the deal may be structured to mitigate retrospective coding compliance liability by structuring the deal to maybe not assume the provider number. But after implementation, if the integration team is not doing proper training for the practice related to coding compliance or operational Um, practices and policies and doing auditing and monitoring for the coding and billing accuracy, then you'll have current and future impact on the financial viability of the practice. The PE firms have been enlightened to the regulatory nature of this industry because they've experienced payer audits, they've seen enforcement with recruitment of up to millions of dollars, and then they've been put on notice by government agencies like the OIG that they're watching them and even holding them to account for their misconduct to the point that they're identifying the PE firms in litigation and enforcement action. The bottom line, the health of the practice is rooted in its operations. And if the practice has any operational deficiencies, those can lead to compliance risks. Absolutely. And and I imagine it's got to be a bit chilling for these firms to find themselves listed you know, on an indictment or sure. as part of an investigation. Now, um, Absolutely. Kristen, revenue cycle is one of the greatest risk areas out there. Um, what should PE firms be doing at, or looking for when conducting their due diligence in this area? Sure, great question. And revenue cycle is one of the greatest risk. And it's just like Valerie said, it's important to look at those operational processes because they lead to compliance risk, particularly if they're poor. Um, And that's why we encourage PE firms to engage in that on-site assessment to evaluate those potential risks because those risks can be identified that may not be identified through just a coding review. Um, For example, did a coding review for an infusion center, the coding results were good. They, They met the quality thresholds, 
but the on-site assessment revealed that the center was administering infusions on the weekend without proper supervision, even though it was billed under the provider appropriately or what should have been appropriately based on the data received. But the operational assessment revealed that there was inappropriate um, compliance with the regulation there related to supervision. Um, and another example is the compliant use of advanced practice providers and ensuring the operational processes actually support the appropriate billing of incident to and split shared services. Again, something that the coding auditing team may find in the data, but do the operational processes support the actual coding results in a compliant manner? Um, and then, you know, oftentimes, the revenue cycle ops assessment, it, I like to say that it tells you the why behind the coding results, um, good or bad. Those good operational processes typically lead to good coding results. Um, and so as Valerie mentioned, you know, the PE firms, they're learning that thorough compliance diligence is more than just financial diligence or coding audits. You know, as you're saying this, it, it, what strikes me is commonalities across due diligence, uh, whether you're a private equity firm looking to invest in healthcare or you're a global manufacturer looking to hire a sales rep uh, or, or a consultant in another country, just trusting what's on paper or what's in the electronic <laughs> file that they sent you really is not enough. There's definitely an argument That's to right. be made. You actually have to physically go and take a look and see what actually really is happening. Now, just as a follow-up, Kristen, are there any other areas that have caused significant repeated challenges for PE firms making an acquisition? Sure. You know, I think it, I think it leads back to what Valerie mentioned before, what they looked at historically and, and what they're realizing are those areas that haven't been top of mind um, related to ambulatory surgery centers. Um, when an ASC is part of the deal, not only do they need to have that facility coding audit performed, as well as revenue cycle on-site assessment um, as it relates to billing, but also that clinical assessment that Valerie mentioned a few moments ago. Um, you know, looking at those infection control protocols in place, looking at the most recent CMS um, survey or triple AHC accreditation survey, have those risks been mitigated? You know, ASCs have their own set of um, regulations that have to be complied with. And then, you know, other things, again, with that on-site piece, things that you find that you're not necessarily looking for all of the time. You know, we did an ASC clinical assessment when we found that, you know, the equipment, the scopes that were being used were 15 years old. Well, that's going to impact post-transaction financially because the equipment needs to be updated um, and replaced. There needs to be potential education with staff related to the use of new equipment. Um, and then also lack of instruments. Um, a particular ASC did not have enough instruments. And so as a result, it was impacting their sterilization processes because they were using the flash cycle more often than they should be on a regular basis when that's not the intent of a flash cycle. And it's because they didn't have enough instruments. Um, looking at build, building maintenance and age, um, post-transaction, what's going to impact that building maintenance, particularly as it relates to, you know, financially, but 
is the potential ASC going to be looking at a possible relocation because of poor building maintenance or, you know, lack of compliance with code? Wow, there's a lot there. And, you know, we've seen, as you know, cases lately of buildings that were far beyond where they should be from a maintenance perspective and the drastic mm-hmm. consequences there. Now, Valerie, uh, finally, are there any warning signs in general that it's time to walk away from a deal? Well, because we're consultants, we provide risk assessments related to the compliance and financial risk of the PE firm. So we'll be talking with the PE firm or the portfolio company or perhaps their counsel, um, the business development teams, the implementation teams, and then some of the private equity firms or the portfolio companies may have compliance teams um, as part of their staff as well. So we're communicating to them what is the risk to them what is the risk to the investment um, from a compliance and financial risk um, perspective? But typically, the valuation of the practice is what stops the deal, which means that mm-hmm. if there's a significant compliance issue, say that um, the practice's revenue, retrospectively or prospectively, will be impacted, the investor will then renegotiate the value of the practice, which means that the multiple or the payout to the owner physicians their salaries, their bonuses um, after the deal may cause the physicians to back away because they realize, wait, this is not what I thought it was going to be. So, for example, say we have an E&M overcoding issue that um, we have um, evaluation management codes that are billed at level four or level five, and they should be level three or level four or the practice is billing for services found to not be medically necessary. Say the service is investigational and they're billing it with normal CPT codes when they should be billing it directly to the patient, for example. Or the investor is taking on the retrospective liability of the practice and all in encompassing that we find a 20 to 30% financial impact to the future revenue. That is going to cause both sides to pause, right? So the investor may not be able to make up the investment over time, or the physicians may realize, wait, this deal is not what we thought it would be. So one or the other may back away from the deal. Um, Another flag is just the practice's lack of willingness to work through the diligence process. If they're non-compliant with document production, that can be a sign Mm -hmm. that they'll not be willing to comply with the corporate policies or to change or improve their current processes. So there's all kinds Mm -hmm. of reasons you know, both financially and compliance and just getting along, a, you know, a, a relational fit within um, the process that says, are we going to be able to do this going forward um, and will impact the viability of the deal? And that's one impact that the on-site assessment also provides is that intangible information of what's the culture of the practice? What's the culture mm-hmm. overall? How responsive is the practice? How collaborative are the teams within the practice from the front desk staff to the billing team, to the clinicians, to the physicians? All of that intangible information is what you get when you're actually boots on the ground in the practice for a day or two. It's got to be quite eye-opening for a lot of firms when they walk in the door to see what's really going on. And, you know, I I don't Mm -hmm. want to lose one other point that you made there, which is, you know, we often talk about compliance as a way to avoid penalties, as a way to avoid fines and business disruptions. But you you made the good point here that a good compliance program 
will help in a liquidity event for an organization uh, because it makes sure that the buyer you know, will get what he's or she is actually paying for um, right. and help ensure that the seller is actually reaping the true value of the organization because they took the steps to protect it along the way. Well, mm -hmm. Valerie, Kristen, thank you so much for these insights into the private equity world and healthcare. It's certainly mm -hmm. a growing one. Uh, I'd like to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.